Welcome to Mad Lit Musings, a podcast with Jamie Jo Wright, where we go deeper and ask the tough and dangerous questions. Today's episode is sponsored by Ravel and Bethany House Publishers, which are divisions of Baker Publishing Group. Find out more at bakerpublishinggroup.com. Hi, everyone. It is Jamie Jill Wright with Madlet Musings, and today we have Connie Lynn Cassette. Hello, Connie. Hello. I'm glad to be here with you today. I'm excited to have you because this is your first time on the podcast, yeah. and yes. your books are very well loved. Well, it's good. Makes me happy. <laughs> You're like, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> no, and it's funny because I was looking at some of your online social media and everybody is getting so hyped for the release of this book called Voice of the That's Ancients. That's pretty fun. Yeah. Well, and I haven't had any book come out for two years, so everyone's yeah. been waiting. I've been waiting, so it's really exciting. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. I was going to ask how many years it's been because I know you went through a rough patch with cancer yeah. and everything, so. I did, yeah. I actually... The, the my last book launch for between the wild branches i had just found out that i had cancer okay. the week before and so the day of my launch i had a launch online launch party plan and everything and i was instead at the hospital doing a biopsy oh. and so yeah that was my last book release that's you know we want memorable book launches connie but let's not do that again yeah no <laughs> that was not that's not no, good. no. Well, I'm glad you're doing well. And we yeah. do have a new book, The Voice of the Ancients. So, you know, the question that every author absolutely adores, tell us just a little bit about what this book is. All right. Well, this is a, a series that is actually a spinoff from my last series, The Covenant House. And it's about four cousins. Actually, well, yeah, the series is about four cousins. And um, they are a little too young to fight um, battles because the military age was 20 in um, ancient Israel, in the Bible. I didn't know that. And so, yeah, they weren't allowed to fight before 20. And a couple of them are Levites and Levites aren't allowed to fight either. So these four cousins run off to go fight for the newly crowned King Saul. And so the first book is our heroes, Abidon. And he is part of this um, musical Levite family. Everyone's really talented and singing and playing. And he hates music. Absolutely <laughs> hates it. And um, so he's really questioning who he is and what his calling is and what this sacred Levite duty means to him. And he really just wants to go fight in the war with his cousins because, you sure. know he's a teenage boy yeah. and so <laughs> anyhow so they run off to go fight for king saul and one of them goes missing mm. and avidan is insistent on searching for his missing cousin he happens to run across keziah who has also run away but she's run away from a horrible marriage to a really gross older guy and um, that her father wants her to marry so i think i'd run away uh, too yeah. Yeah. She disguises herself and runs away with her horse, Saru. And so we have Saru is, um, he's a, a little bit of an extra character in my story. So yeah. It. So it's the story of Avidon and Keziah uh, working together and having a really exciting journey. That's so cool. I love biblical stories and 
I'll be honest, I especially love the ones that, and I'm probably unpopular opinion, but I love the ones that take place in biblical times, but aren't actual biblical characters. And I think, I, I think part of it is, well, I'm always interested, like, how do you write about a biblical character when it's already been written about in the Bible? And then <laughs> I am always like, what was life like in that yeah. time period? And the Bible doesn't say a lot about that, especially the other cultures. Yeah. Yeah. I love the the white spaces, you know, yeah. I, I'm a curious person. I love history. I love, you know, digging into things like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, to be able to kind of fill in what was going on around, you know, I, my, my first question when I started writing, but this, this kind of fiction was what was it like for the witnesses of these things that were happening? What, what were the Egyptians experiencing um, as the plagues were happening and all this crazy stuff was going on and what were the rumors and those kind of things. And so I think it's interesting to look at the Bible from kind of an outsider perspective, well, kind of an outsider insider perspective. So it's like, you know, they're seeing these things, they're, they're interacting with people that were in the Bible and, you know, um, so yeah, that it just gives me a little, it gives me a little extra leeway to kind of build a story kind of within. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Okay. So you mentioned, and I think I know the answer to this, but for readers who don't, you mentioned that Avedon is a Levite. And Levites are not allowed to go into battle. So tell us a little bit about like, why weren't they allowed to go to battle? What was the, what was the big deal about being a Levite? Well, um, back at Mount Sinai, the Levites um, were the ones who, when, when the golden calf incident happened, okay, yeah. God said, okay, who is going to basically, you know, have justice over this Mm -hmm. and it was levites that stood up and went out and actually killed the people that worshiped the golden calf and so that was the point where god kind of set them apart Mm -hmm. and um said um no more they weren't allowed to fight anymore after that which is interesting yeah they were the ones that went out and did that um and so then they were set apart for this sacred duty of Mm -hmm. Um, working in the tabernacle and dealing with the sacred um, elements and the sacred objects and things. So that was, that was kind of their, that was their job. And so they weren't allowed to fight. They weren't allowed to go out to battle. And um, so, yeah, I think that was an interesting pitch. And then of course they were not allowed to inherit the land like the rest of the tribes. They didn't have portions of the land like all the other ones did too. So they were very much set apart. You know, I was thinking about that once when I was teaching an Old Testament survey course for high schoolers at our church. And I was thinking about the Levites and how they were like the first ones to rise up and say, we're going to take, you know, we're going to avenge basically the Lord's name. And then all of a sudden the Lord's like, nope, let me take your sword. Let me take your slingshots. You're done. And I was thinking, why would God take like almost the fiercest Mm -hmm. of his warriors and um, in my brain at first I was thinking, why would he just shut them down, you know, and lock them in a, in a temple sort of thing. And then I got to thinking sometimes the fiercest warriors for the Lord are the ones that take on the spiritual battles. Exactly. I think he switched their battlefield to the spiritual yeah. realm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of what Don deals with in this is like, okay. he's learning that this is, you know, the battle that he needs to fight is spreading the truth of what mm. who God is and who 
who the people of Israel are and what their duties are and what their, you know, the blessings that they have. And, and in this period I'm writing. So Avidan is from the Western side okay. of the Jordan and Kazai is on the Eastern side. And those tribes that were on the Eastern side didn't actually settle in the land. They settled outside of the land Okay, and the conquest happened. Mm-hmm. So they went and they helped fight, but then they went back across the eastern side of the Jordan. And so these these two groups were like divided for a really, really long time. You know, the center of worship was in, Sh- in Shiloh at that time. And so they were very far away. They weren't, you know, intermingling as much as the rest of the tribes. And so right. I thought how interesting that they were so separated. And, you know, so I have Avidan noticing that they've mixed worship of other gods with Yahweh. Mm-hmm. And um, in fact, there's archaeological evidence all over the place that they um, had Asherah and Yahweh married and that, that Asherah was Yahweh's consort. Yeah. It's actually what? quite a bit. of it. Yeah. And so um, Keziah worships Asherah because to her, to her, she's a little less scary than Yahweh is. Right. <laughs> the you know the one that destroyed Egypt and all that yeah. so he's a little scary so she worships Asherah but in her mind they're married so it's not wrong so it, you know the that worship of the syncretism of mixing different gods and different worship practices is kind of the focus of, of how I built that eastern side and I, we don't know a whole lot about what happened in those tribes mm-hmm. but what we know is that they were the very first tribes to be taken away by the Assyrians so okay. I think that's pretty significant yeah I would say I did not realize the whole quote marriage between Yahweh and Asherah um, yes that's kind of creepy I mean it's extremely creepy but I'm seeing like my brain's instantly going to a parallel of how culture can eke its way into a doctrine and Absolutely. take something that's so holy and then pervert it to a point where it's so natural and so part of life that it doesn't seem wrong. It doesn't seem like yes. it's misrepresenting. It's just, that's the way we've always done it. We don't question, right. you know, this thing that crept in maybe hundreds of years ago or thousands of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just, you know, do it because that's what we've always done instead of yeah look going back to the word of god right and making sure that we are worshiping god in a pure and holy way yeah yeah i was having a conversation with a, a young woman who just recently graduated from high school and you know is getting ready to go out in the world and you know we were talking about faith and life and kind of like where are you at as you go into you know the university system and you know start learning about different things and she was like oh, you know i i'm not sure she said, I think I'm, I think I'm good. And I'm like, you think you're good? I didn't say that, but I was like, oh, okay. Um, but as we, as we talked so much of it was her upbringing within Christianity was don't ask questions because mm-hmm. the Bible says so, therefore we believe it. And right. I was, I was like, really don't ask questions. Don't challenge the Bible. Oh, absolutely. That's what we're supposed to be doing. I think we're constantly supposed to be asking questions. Yeah. Yeah. And I think those questions are important because like you said, you have to take it back to the word of God, but then also that concept of challenging the word of God isn't a defiance. It's a, I need to ask the questions to understand the authority behind these scriptures. Yeah. 
Yeah. God's bigger than our questions. He's bigger than our doubts. He can handle yeah. it. <laughs> the truth can stand right on its foundation because it's the truth. And, you know, right. no matter how much we shake it and poke at it and question it, it's still going to stand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, you know, the Asherah element of that you see also throughout all of Israel's history, right? If I'm not, not absolutely my history right, wrong. Oh, absolutely. God constantly is, is getting on them for um, worshiping the, I think they call her the mother of heaven. And okay, um, yeah, she's, you know, in all different culture, it's the same to me. It's the same demonic spirit yeah. that is in all the culture, you know, Ishtar and Astarte mm-hmm. and Asherah. And they all, you know, linguistically, they sound very similar because it's the same goddess, you know, when, when a culture went and captured another culture, they okay. took their gods and oh. incorporated those gods because it was like, hey, my gods are more powerful than your gods. So now I'm going to make my gods be, so your your gods are going to be subject to, to my gods, but we're going to worship them all. So they would, there was, that's why there's all this mixing and mingling okay. of different idols is because they would take those gods and they would just put them in their pantheon of gods. Yeah. So my gaming side is going, oh, so they leveled up their God is basically what they did. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like, oh, we're just gonna level up and you know combine resources. And our here god, and- our god came down and he was like, mm, I'm leveling y'all. So <laughs> game over. Game game over. Right. And then he would he would always uh, chop their hands and their heads off. It always said that, you know, when things happen, they would chop the hands and the head off because that was their power. Oh, okay. That's why they did yeah. that. Okay. Yep. Otherwise, it sounds just kind of like delightfully gruesome, but that makes sense yeah. that there's more meaning to that than just out there you know. being able to see and, and use their hands. And yeah, yeah. it was showing the power. Right, right. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, I remember when I was in Sunday school, I had this teacher and they kept going. They were talking about the different kings of, um, I think it was Israel, the northern kingdom. But anyway, and they're talking about how there were so many evil kings. And then every now and then there'd be a good king that came along. So that would have been Judah. Anyway, a good king would come along and there was always that clause at the end and they cleaned, basically clean out the country of all false gods, except they left the Asherah pole on the highest hill. Yeah. And I always wondered about why they would leave the Asherah pole. But if that goes back to the original marriage, that starts to make more sense. It's almost like they're cutting God in half if that's what they're believing that there's a marriage there. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Mind blown. <laughs> this is what happens when we have Connie, Connie Cassette on, on the podcast, your <laughs> minds get blown and it's just, it's great. So fun. So much fun. <laughs> Lots of fun. I love okay. digging into that stuff. I get lost on rabbit trails for hours oh, about, you know, I'll like study something for like five hours for one line. <laughs> <laughs> It is. It is. And scripture is just this rabbit hole because you go down for one thing and then it starts being symbolic of another thing. And the next thing you know, you're in Philippians or something. You're like in the New Testament and you're studying the people in the wilderness. You're like, wait, what? (laughs) Are you enjoying today's broadcast with our featured author? You can find out more about them and other authors from Baker Publishing Group at bakerbookhouse.com. 
Use code MADLIT40 for 40% off any one Baker Publishing Group title at bakerbookhouse.com. This also includes Ravel and Bethany House Publishing. Go over fast. It's MADLIT40. That's your magic code for 40% off any one Baker Publishing Group title. Well, I'm going to pause here and just say for readers who are listening, you can use the code MADLIT when you go to bakerbookhouse.com and you can enter it in. So if you're hearing this after Connie's book is released, with that code, you can still get her book for 40% off and free shipping. So be sure you head over to bakerbookhouse.com, order Connie's book, Voice of the Ancients, and use the code MADLIT to get your 40% off. So it's a good one-time use code. And then go to my website and get your free novella for ordering the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, free prequel novella that's the story of the four boys as they're kind of becoming really good friends. Right. You caught that segue, Connie. You knew where we were going with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So random question that really, you know, it shouldn't take too much thought, but where do you come up with the names? Because, you know, oh, these are that all the time. It's so funny. Cool me. names. Well, they're just cool names. They're different. So, well, you know, I, I have, um, the, the complete Jewish Bible that has a lot of names, um, from in the Bible okay. transliterated out, which is really nice. And so that's a really good starting point. Mm-hmm. I have a couple of websites that I use. Um, I actually found this amazingly cool site that was like a whole bunch of names that were taken from pottery shards. And so I went through, and they were actually, they were in Hebrew. So I went through another one of my five hour rabbit trails. I went through and like went and got them translated on, you know, some Google translate app or something. So I translated those. And so I found a whole bunch of new names that I hadn't seen before. Um, So I just kind of use a a little, I actually have a book. I have a book of names. Oh my gosh, I love it. And so I have one, one side is the male side and one side is the female side. And I just kind of keep track of any names that I find. And then I mark them off if I've used them. I love that. Sometimes I do forget and use them again. Yeah. Um, but then um, sometimes I make them up. <laughs> I do. I that. That works. kind of use, use that, you know, the Hebrew kind of different sounds and yeah. I'll use, I'll them up if I if I have to or or I'll use something that's like a Hebrew word for you know flower or river oh, okay. or something yeah got some meaning to it so mm-hmm. yeah I try and pick names that are not you know there's a lot of names in the Bible that are like this long and really right. hard to pronounce. and so I try to find names that can sound okay to the modern ear and mm-hmm. that aren't you know mm-hmm. quite yeah the most fun that I have when I teach um middle school or high school Sunday school classes is I'll tell them that we're going to open to this specific chapter and it's like a lineage and I make oh, them yes. read it out loud and it ends up in this raucous <laughs> laughter because nobody can pronounce half the names. No. No. <laughs> it's so much fun. Now, does the name Keziah have a special meaning and did you pick that because of its meaning or is it just a name that you're like, oh, this, this fits her because it fits her? I really do not remember what her name means. It's okay. blown out of my I just thought I just think it's such a cool name yeah yeah well I used it in a different book before for a a very minor character and I was like oh I really would love to use that for a heroine so 
That's yeah. good. I like it. I like it. My daughter's best friend is actually has that name and I'd never heard it I before. Yeah. And then your book comes a, out. Another young girl that was Kazai and I thought, oh, I'm, I'm going to use your name someday. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. I love it. So cool. Cool. So this is book one. How many more books are going to be in this series? There are three more books in this series. Okay. So we've got a while. We're just kind of digging into quite a little saga. And there's the mystery of the missing cousin that's going to go throughout. So okay. um, that's right. really fun to write. I've never really written that kind of a thread through all of us. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's really cool. And then I'm assuming each book is probably one of the cousins then. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> we'll figure it out as we go. <laughs> Oh, fun. Okay. So we have a prequel that people can get by ordering your book and mm -hmm. they just go to your website, Connie, Connie Loon cassette. Mm -hmm. and there's a link right off the front page, right? Yeah. There's a link on the front page. There's a couple of places you can find it or under extras. It's mm. under there too. Perfect. Perfect. Cause who doesn't want a prequel novella? I mean, those are the best. I love it was them. so much fun to write. I, I was so excited to write it. I wrote it in one week <laughs> for real. Yeah, I did. That's I wrote impressive. it while I was on a cruise in Alaska. So I just wrote the whole thing. Because <laughs> that's what we do when we're on cruises. We we write books. What I do. That's yeah, right. it's all right. All right. It's a, an Alaskan cruise. I don't know if I could have written a book on an Alaskan cruise. I would have been distracted by snow. I love snow, though. So, <laughs> Well, I went to Alaska and didn't see any wildlife. What? I was really really bummed like seriously I was all excited to see bears yeah. and moose and elk I saw seagulls that's what I saw oh in well then I'm glad it's you wrote your novella fun. yeah that's what I'm picturing like you're not seeing all this fun wildlife because yeah. you got your head buried in your novella oh no oh. they just were gone they were like oh the cassettes are coming we're taking vacation I don't know <laughs> she needs to write she needs to write just don't hey guys just yeah. stay hidden so we don't distract distract her that would be bad <laughs> it was pretty weird but it was a fun trip yeah well that's great you had some cooperative <laughs> cooperative wildlife out there <laughs> oh man connie this is a blast having you on i'm really excited about this book i think readers will adore it and um yeah let's keep this coming so we'll do this again with your next release yes let's do it Thank you for listening to Madlit Musings. You can find out more information about Madlit and all that it has to offer at madlitmentoring.com. That's madlitmentoring.com. Or check out more about Jamie Jo Wright at jamiewrightbooks.com.